To be a yogi. I'm Edward Reeb, producer and host of the To Be a Yogi podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing yoga teacher Jessica Sayer. The name Jessica was first used, as far as we know, by William Shakespeare in his play The Merchant of Venice, 1596. She was the daughter of Shylock, and it was probably based on the biblical name Yitzhaka, and it means foresight. She is based in Cleveland, Ohio. And so, without further ado, let's get to the interview, shall we? So welcome to the To Be a Yogi podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I have to admit, I was initially just fascinated by all your tattoos. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking maybe I'd start by asking if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your name. I'd like to um, learn about the meanings of names, if you have any. Okay. Um, you mean like just my original name, like Jessica Sayer? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, you know, Sayer is a French name. I don't know. And my dad's name's actually Jesse. So he was like, you know, being the man that he is. And mm -hmm. he was, I was his firstborn daughter. So he was like, all right, we're going to name her Jessica. Nice. So, yeah. You know, it was really, really popular in the seventies. So, you know, there's a lot of us out there. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and do you, do you know the, the actual linguistic origin of your last name? I mean, uh, no, than that it's just, French. yeah, just that it's French, that the E okay. is silent. I'll, so. I'll do some, I'll do some research later and get back to you. It's one of my, cool. Things. I know just... there's a Sayer crest from France, <laughs> oh, so cool. I know that much. So uh, with the Sayer crest, it, you know, goes back to, we were Norwegian, um, warriors, you know, back in that war, I, you know, it was a long, long time ago. So that's kind of where the Sayer crest came out of, oh, but that's cool. as much as I know. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I like it. <laughs> yeah, warriors. Wow. Yeah, you got um on your right wrist. You've got Anubis and warrior. Yes, mm -hmm. warrior. Because uh, I've done a lot of those um, mud runs, those warrior dash runs. Mm -hmm. So I got warrior um not just for that, but also you know uh, my past being you know a little bit turbulent. I guess we could say. Um, I felt like coming through all of that made me strong, like a warrior. So it kind of has a significant meaning in that sense. Nice. And then of course, yeah. uh, uh, Virabhadrasana. Yes, Virabhadrasana A and B and C. Yes, we got our warriors that <laughs> nice, come nice. strong from also creating strong warriors in battle. So good but history behind that. It seems to me that having the Ankh present right above that, though, mm -hmm. it it regulates the kind of warrior. It implies peaceful warrior. Exactly. Warrior Very much life. a peaceful warrior, yes. Life-giving, <laughs> like the Nile. That's right. Yeah, it's so eclectic. And, okay, so... Is there any relationship to the Source family, the famous 70s thing in Hollywood? No. The Source name that I created for my studio is mm -hmm. that in the Yoga Sutras, it says that the cause of suffering is being, disconnect is being disconnected from the Source. Mm -hmm. And the way to liberating, the way to releasing that suffering is by returning to the Source. So it was kind of a way of, you know, letting people know that, it, you know, suffering is a part of life. But if you return to your practice, you know, not just the physical asana, but if you return to all eight limbs of the yoga sutras, you know, in the path, then you have a chance to kind of liberate yourself from that suffering by coming here and learning that knowledge. Yeah. So, yeah. So the eye in the triangle with the wings and the mm -hmm. moon 
I, I'm I'm so interested because I mean there's just it's a really interesting coincidence because I'm I'm friends with all of these people who were in this group called the Source that had a vegetarian restaurant on on uh, mm. Sunset Boulevard in the 70s and they used the same symbols and really? um, yeah and there and the guy was teaching yoga and everything and it was a whole thing I'll send you there's a documentary called oh uh, wow that's really the, cool the Source Family documentary so I was I was thinking that there might be a connection there if not uh, literally if not actually like then yeah then karmically because all the, yeah, the eclecticism sure. of the Egyptian and the Native yeah. American and the uh, Chinese, uh, mm -hmm. they, they would have like each week they would dress up as a different um, egregore, like a different pantheon, like Native American oh, awesome. or, or, so what is the, is it strength on your, on your right arm? Um, the Chinese symbol stands for Dharma. Dharma. Yeah, because I'm a Zen um, practitioner. I've been practicing mm -hmm. Zen meditation with a couple, you know, with these monks that own this Zendo here in Cleveland. So I've been nice. going there for about 11 years. Oh, and the cool. Dharma, you know, the Buddhist teachings have been something that kind of, in a way, liberated me from a lot of my own suffering. So yeah. I got the symbol as a way to remind myself that, you know, return to the Dharma, return to the teachings, and you'll continue to find that path. Yeah, yeah, that, that I, I definitely relate with that. I have a um, the Japanese symbol do meaning Dharma mm, on yeah. a, a jar on a, a shrine in the other room. Oh, very awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I think it's I, important to keep that around. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The um, the other day I, uh, I had a, a class at Crunch Fitness and, and mm -hmm. unanimously everybody was applauding and I got this ego <laughs> high, you know, and I, but something, this little voice was telling me to come back to the Dharma, come back mm -hmm. to the yoga, come back to the meditation right. and come out of this, even though it felt good, you know, this yeah, euphoria of, wow, everybody loves me. And everybody then, loved my class, you and know. so I had that little voice, but I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. And then yesterday, um, this woman came in and she looked at me and she was like, oh, it's you teaching. I can't go. I can't do your classes. And every, the whole oh, class was yeah. like, oh, my God, she's totally like dissing you. And then she just like stormed off. And I, it was well, exactly that. I felt like it was down. a test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. If I, it, it brings it always, me up, it brings yeah. me down. But if yeah, I stick to the Dharma, me. it doesn't That's it won't right. phase me at all. It also brings me to a quote by Marilyn Monroe that says, you could be the juiciest, ripest peach in the whole world and still somebody won't like peaches. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think of that every time I step in to teach a class is yeah. like, you know, like last night I do this thing down along the beach called Edgewater Live every week. And I always get between like 60 and 150 people that mm -hmm. come to my yoga class wow, down there. Cool. And I have to remind myself that there's so many people here that not everybody's going to enjoy right. the type of yoga that, that I'm teaching, you know, yeah. so if I I see a disgruntled look. It might not even be personal. It might just be this person's, you know, disgruntled with their own body, you know, judging themselves. And, you know, and then it's my job as a teacher to, you know, help pull them out of that, you know, self-loathing yeah. behavior that they might be going through in their head or they could just really hate the class. <laughs> yeah. Either way. But, you know, I got to keep my faith in the practice either way, whether somebody likes it or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, what is written across just above your, your clavicle? Um, it is that mind and phenomena are one. Cool. Yeah. That originated from the Zen, the, the practice that I do. It's, you know, um, I have a sticker on the back of my car. It says, you know, my other vehicle is the Mahayana. <laughs> and the Mahayana, right, being the vehicle of enlightenment, being, yeah. you know, and it just kind of reminded me of that. And when I got this tattoo, it was like, you know, I have a hard time – 
you know, bringing my head out of the clouds sometimes and knowing that like we're all interconnected and that mind phenomena, everything is just this, you know, big ball of interconnectedness. And then I, you know, you know, just one degree of separation. It's just together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. It, 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 it's like mind body, but then it just plows through, you know, beyond mm-hmm. that and then beyond fact into just all phenomena, including, you know, just all hypothetical potentials and yeah. mul- multiple dimensions unfolding or not. Exactly. So cool. Yeah. So yeah. The, it looks like there's, I mean, there's some things that I can't see. It looks like there's right. Buddha on the inside of your left bicep. Yes. With a Buddha cool Chinese. And- I have actually a little Buddha with that same kind of building, like on a little sand thing right next mm-hmm. to the monitor that I'm looking at. Yeah, which... the pagoda. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm going to look at it. Um, <laughs> I actually, a lot of my stuff is, is, is out of, you know, Japanese lineage, yeah. um, the Chan. So a lot of my stuff is out of that, but some of it is out of the Chinese lineage. Um, yeah, it's pagoda. It's, you know, I got some, just some clouds and stuff, but it is, you know, Siddhartha, um, the original Buddha. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's so many different Buddhas throughout yeah. history um, that Siddhartha, his story was what really resonated with me. So, yeah. yeah and then I'm, on the other I'm arm, fond I have of the Kuan other Yin. ones on various levels, like Padmasambhava, the second yeah. Buddha with all the jewels all over him. It's like, okay, right. well... I'm, I can understand why a lot of people would be skeptical, but I'm yeah. going to keep reading, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, this is absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so it looks like there's Ma'at with her wings spread out and the feather yes. up overhead yes. on the right arm. So it looks like yeah. you're pretty familiar with the Tree of Life. Yes, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You've got the path of Lamed leading up your right bicep to Gibura on your right hand. That's so specific. Yep. Was that intuitive or was that intentional? It was more intuitive, um, to be honest. It was something like in in my younger years, I was very much into like, I was very, very drawn to Egyptian culture. I was very, you know, drawn to this, like all of that. And then it just kind of kept going, you know, and I was like, wow, you know, like, and I just, I've always felt very powerful looking at these images. Yeah. You know, I've always been a spiritual seeker. So it was something that I think throughout my times, I've been everything from, you know, Christian to pagan to Wiccan, you know, you know, all these things. And now I'm, you know, a Zen Buddhist, but it was just like, it felt right. I guess you could say. It all kind of gels together at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And what's not um, pictured in, you know, in my pictures, I just recently last week got um, two new tattoos. I got um, the Yoga Sutra, the Niyamas, book two, Sutra 32. Um, on my left wrist, and I plan to get the yamas uh, in the Sanskrit um, on my right wrist. How cool! So, yeah, like the so top of your wrist, opposite the Anubis. It's like it looks like a bracelet. It's kind of like wraps mm-hmm. around on my left wrist the niyamas, and yeah. so it reminds me. You know, the niyamas are something um, that I try to remember. Let's a go lot over those for the hearing. audience because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who aren't familiar. Sure. Um, yeah. So. They're not springing to mind, even though I had them memorized for my test two years ago. <laughs> I know them in English. There's cleanliness, uh, sa- uh, shaucha, right? Right, shaucha. Santosha. Santosha, contentment. Mm-hmm. Tapas. Yep, tapas, heat, that inner fire. Yep. And then um, and then the next one, I just call it pure, let's see, there's sacha, purity. Oh, right. Oh, I'm on, I'm on the fly uh, here. I'm Santosha, like, contentment. Yes. And, that's the one that like really stood out to me about the yeah. Niyamas was 
was contentment. Like, yeah, it's like a rule. Contentment. What if that was one of the Ten Commandments was like chill, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Well, they actually um, kind of bring it back to that, that, you know, if you gel the yamas and the niyamas together, that it kind of is like the Ten Commandments of yoga. Yeah. You know, and then the next one is self-study, which is oh, right. Yeah. Right. And that one is like really big to me is like finding that self-study and that self-observation. Um, so I don't just react that I actually respond by being the observer of my thoughts. I think it, it, it relocates us into our neocortex. And yes, absolutely. Uh, outside of the hypothalamus and the amygdalas. I mean, in a modern, you know, getting nerdy right. about it. Yeah. Like, so we can, yeah. you know, the... I mean, to be sympathetic toward not necessarily mm -hmm. estrange ourselves from our inner animal, our inner child and our inner scared, you know, so-and-so. Um, but to be able right. to see the bigger picture and to consciously mm -hmm. decide to having learned these practices to console and to love the inner child that maybe is freaking out and to forgive, oh, forgive yourself after you have a tantrum rather than beat yourself up right. because you've gone down that road before too and it only hurts yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And then after the, you know, the self-study one, then it's the devotion. So it's like mm -hmm. surrendering you know, to the practice and to a higher power. Um, and in Sanskrit, it's like, you know, really hard to pronounce, but it's Isvara Pranidhanya. Oh, yeah. I think if I'm saying that correctly. Isvara um, Pranidhana, I think, is how yeah, I pronounce it. Yeah, Pranidhana. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. That's what Kino told me last week. And I can never remember. But anyways, <laughs> so, um, you know, it was just that surrendering, um, being in recovery from alcoholism, you know, that's something that kind of resonated with me was like surrender to a higher power, whatever step, it is. Yeah. It just be the beautiful trees in the sky or, you know, whatever. Right. But it's, For a friend of mine, it was Mickey Mouse. that that greater power, yeah, you know, that to have like, to, to get to the goal of yoga, you know, that we dissolve our, you know, egocentric nature, that we just kind of let go of identifying ourselves yeah, and just really surrender to that place of, you know, divine inside. So the Atman, the non-separate yeah. self. Right. Exactly. So there's some writings. I, I, I wish I could like, I've read so many different um, sutras, the some of which are recognized by one branch and not by another, that I, I it all kind of blends together at a certain point. But um, something about the Buddhist hells, I think it was more of a Vajrayana thing. Uh, yeah, that basically clinging to the separate self is at the core of all of the Buddhist hells. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And it's the one thing that when you're sitting in meditation that you're focusing, you know, you're, you're letting go of that identification and you're just coming to this place of, you know, surrender to yeah. this interconnectedness. And it's, it's the thing that comes up on the cushion time and time again with me. I, I try to meditate at least five minutes every day. I tell people just a couple minutes every day, you know, and, and before you know it, you build a habit. And when I, when I first started going to the Zendo and sitting in meditation, I at one point had such a bad panic attack while I was meditating because for the first time in my life, I had actually made a connection, you know, with myself, with my body. And that's like when I was 500 pounds. And I, I came to this point where I was like, I can't believe I'm this big. I can't believe I'm this sick. I can't believe I'm, I'm stuck in this body. And it wow. was just like for the first time. And I left and I didn't go back to the Zendo for like six months because I was so freaked out. Wow, I was like, I can't, powerful. you know. Yeah. And then I had a heart attack and I kept going back and I was like, okay, now I have to go back to meditation, you know, and it's wow. kind of what led me down the yoga path. So, you know, that's kind of my mission and my story is to tell people that no matter where you're at physically, mentally, just, just do it, you know, just do the practice. Yeah. That's kind of how like my, it went for me as I was, you know, I couldn't like walk for longer than three minutes without having to sit down. I couldn't 
you know, catch my breath. I was on oxygen tubes and, you know, just in the gym carrying around a little oxygen tank and, and trying to do this stuff. And somebody's like, why don't you try yoga? And I was like, okay, sure. You know, they're like, it's low impact, you know, cardio, the vinyasa anyways. And I said, sure. So I went and tried it and I did like it. It was very, very difficult at first. And I actually got heckled out of a few yoga studios at first, you know, oh, you're, you're so big. You should try this. You're so big. You should go here, you know? And it was just kept pushing me along. And then, you know, the first 200 pounds just kind of flew off once you stopped drinking and eating 10,000 calories a day. And then it was like, wow, I'm so inspired to do this that I'm just going to become a yoga teacher. You know, and I found a yoga teacher training and, and within a month of graduating yoga teacher training, I had opened a yoga studio. Nice. Because I still ran into the problem of finding, you know, people seeing me with all my tattoos. And at that point, I was still 150 pounds heavier than I am now. And people still weren't taking me seriously, I guess, in the sense of, you know, wanting to hire me for their studio. You know, one lady was like, you know, the image just isn't right. You know, <laughs> you know, you're a very nice person. You're a very great teacher. And I was just so inspired that any negative that came my way, it was just more fuel more reason that I knew I had to get out there and help people. Yeah. It was more reason that I needed to do this. You know, I, it, if one door closes, another door opens. And I just knew that it didn't mean that that was it, you know? And so I kept trying and I was just like, you know, and here I am three years later, I just entered, I just finished my third year of teaching yoga going into my fourth year. And, you know, I've taught other people to be yoga teachers. I've done yoga teacher trainings and now I'm traveling all over studying with these, you know, great yoga masters of the world that have been, studying yoga for 35 plus years and and I just I'm so honored and humbled to be doing that and then to be continuing to pass on this beautiful message of the practice so it's just kind of like out of my suffering out of my you know lowest point of life it brought me to this place where I can start helping people to pull themselves out of theirs you know so it kind of makes everything that I've gone through in life worth it as long yeah. as I can help one other person it doesn't matter you know is as long as somebody can be inspired by my troubles, then I know that I was on the right path the whole time. So that's kind of how I, you know, envision it. Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so who were some of your favorite teachers? Well, um, my teacher now that I, I travel around to see is Kino McGregor. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, if you guys know anything about Ashtanga Yoga, then you know Kino is pretty – um, big out there, but she's wonderful. And she was like the first person who kind of inspired me to try Ashtanga yoga, which is my own personal practice. I teach vinyasa and I do, I am just starting to teach Ashtanga yoga as well. Um, but Kino has been somebody that I've been with for a couple of years and, you know, I don't get to see her as much because she travels a lot. Um, I also just recently studied in Miami with Surat, um, Joyce from India. He was on his world tour nice. and he came through there for a week and I went down and studied with him. Um, one of my other absolute favorite teachers is Tim Miller, which I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Um, his, his bubbly, like funny personality is just, just what I need to the practice to keep me motivated. And the fact that he's like, I think he's 66 years old now and he is still rocking his yoga practice just physically that inspires me that at any age you can do yoga. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And then anatomy wise, I've studied with David Kyle, who is really great and I've learned quite a bit from. So those are some of my favorites nice. that I've gotten to study with so far. Yeah. So what do you do you have any plans in the near future? Any uh, workshops or anything you want to let people know about? I do actually this Sunday begins my um a six week 
yoga series, I guess you can say, but it's here in mm-hmm. Cleveland. But if you're here in Cleveland, you come and do it. Um, a six week Ashtanga series where I'm just going to, it's an intro for beginners into the practice where we're just going to break down the primary series, which translates to the yoga Chiquita, which is more of a yoga therapy. And we're going to break it down with some modifications, you know, really work on the Surya Namaskars, the sun salutations, really work on the six fundamental standing postures and then go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do have a yoga teacher training starting here uh, on October 1st. Nice. So, yeah. So I'm really looking forward to the vinyasa. It's vinyasa-based um, yoga teacher training. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. So those are going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> but that's about it besides all the classes that we have on the weekly schedule. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking to, like, get into becoming a traveling yoga teacher. Like, I would love to take, um, you know, some of my knowledge and just travel and kind of teach, mm-hmm. you know, go around to different places. So that's something that I'm looking forward to doing in my career is I'm right now formulating um, a workshop that will incorporate the inner fire of the Surya Namaskars, the sun salutations, um, I'm really big into arm balances and building the strength and, and the alignment for those. So um, a day focused on that and also a day focused on diving deep into the spirituality mm. and meditation portion. Excellent. Yeah. That, that reminded me, we had started to talk about the uh, the Niyamas. There's... Um, yes. Shaucha. I always... The, the way I mem- memorized that is, you know, how they say cleanliness is next to godliness. So yes. I was thinking that by cleaning, I'm shouting God. <laughs> I'm gonna shout yeah. ya. But I yeah, guess it's so you, you were go. saying saucha. I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. But saucha. my teacher said shout. I think it's sacha. A sacha. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, anyway, that's, nonetheless, that's what I've heard. But it's a purity of of mind and body. Yes. Yes, purity of mind and body. And that's also, and it kind of really correlates directly to the tapas, which is creating that inner fire through purification. So they kind of go hand in hand, those two, I see a lot. Because it's, you know, you create the inner fire of motivation, whether it's physically or it's mentally. And then it kind of brings you into the sacha, the purity. Because the fire burns up the negative and brings about the positive and the purity of the mind, the body, the soul, the breath. So it's just this beautiful circle of how they all interrelate. And Santosha comes right along with it. Absolutely. And then you find contentment because then no matter what kind of chaos is going on around you, there's that contentment. There's that Santosha. And and nobody can take that from you. These are the Yamas and the Niyamas are the things, the two first limbs of the eight limbs of the Yoga Sutras that you can take with you, you know, no matter where you are at any time. So They say that the Yamas are for other people and the Niyamas are for yourself. Yes. Um, the Yamas are really, you know, the moral, ethical, and kind of right. like societal guidelines, you know, no that violence. you kind of practice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like Ashima um, or Ahimsa is the practice of nonviolence. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, you know, that's just not towards other people, but that's also towards the self. Like, you have to practice not being harmful to yourself. That's true. You know, I used to myself when I was an addict, you know, when I was drinking and everything all the time and overeating and all this stuff. And then I had to realize that, you know, where's that self-love? Where's yeah. that practice of this, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that comes up, you know, quite a bit. And then uh, satya, consistency satya. or non-lying? Uh, truthfulness. Truthfulness, right. Yeah. 
walking the path of truth, even, even if it's not a hundred percent, like the, the best one I teach to my students is, is you know how there's a night where you really just don't want to go out. You want to just sit at home and sit on the couch and, but you don't want to just tell your friend that you don't just want to say, Hey, you know what? I just don't really want to go because you're afraid of upsetting your friend, but that's a really good place to start practicing truthfulness, right? you know, in a non harmful way, because again, here they are interconnected. You know, if, if the truth is going to cause harm, then you have to look at that. But if you can start by practicing with a friend or a loved one, like, you know what? I just really don't want to go. And when they say why you say, because I just don't really want to go. Don't give them an excuse. Start practicing that ability to confront people in a peaceful way. Right. You know? So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because then it goes into Astea, um, which is non-stealing. And if you go, and to me, I think if I go and I spend time with somebody, but I really don't want to be there, then two things are happening. I'm stealing their time, and they're stealing my time. Yeah. And time is the most valuable thing that we have so you know it's it, they keep going they keep interconnecting and it's it's just fascinating to me how they just yeah. move into the next one and then create you, you know? know starting one lie leads to another lie and then you've created this yes. whole web how can you have santosha when you're trying to remember right. which lie is connected to what and what you told who and you know all these different l parallel lives <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly <laughs> it can get crazy yeah and then yeah, there's two I more. Mean, Brahma, just... Brahmacharya is an interesting one. Yes. Um, the uh, responsibility with the life force energy, some interpret it as straight up chastity, like um, being not having sex. Uh, that's an extreme yeah. interpretation. When that's a very extreme interpretation. Because obviously we're going to, yeah, obviously we're going to have relationships. So the best way it's been explained to me is just like, you know, have balance. Like don't go out and, you know, Woohoo! All the time, <laughs> you know, like if you have a partner or somebody that you love, then practice responsibility with it, you right. know, or if you don't and you just have somebody, you know, just responsibility with it and knowing don't, you know, do a stay. I don't do the stealing, you know, be truthful, um, but just find that and maintain balance. Yeah. You know, practice moderation. You know, it's a way of conserving your energy, which, you know, conserving that energy is then applied for higher purposes in your, in your spirituality and in your practice. So. I interviewed a, uh, a a magician from India, and he Ooh. said something really interesting. He said that if you're going to attack somebody, don't use your Kundalini energy. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was saying you want to keep that pure. You know, it's very powerful, right. but it'll it'll screw you up, and it can screw you up for more than one lifetime. And uh, I was like, oh, well, yeah, what what energy? You know, I mean, isn't any everything? Kundalini energy. He's like, no, no, no. You can make a sigil. You can. And he starts listing off all these other different kinds of attack <laughs> magic that are okay. He's like, just cool. don't use your Kundalini energy to attack someone. Like, interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. He he started out in life as a Sikh and then got interested in all these different forms of magic. Wow. What a trip. I'll send you a link to that guy's uh, interview. Yeah, that'd be fun to listen to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not as exciting as the magician, but you know, I'm doing my best. <laughs> So, yeah. And then, um, let's see, the last one, if I can pronounce it right, let's see, Aparigraha. Oh, I right. I never pronounced it. Aparigraha, perhaps? Aparigraha, thank you. <laughs> see, me and these pronunciations are not going to work. Um, which is non-coveting like, or? Yeah. Not having, not possessing, not trying to possess other right. people or ourselves. Right. Lust for, uh, for wealth, for instance. Right. To, to accumulate, to the, the desire yeah. to accumulate in, in 
Patanjali, you know, era terms probably yes. to accumulate wealth. Hmm. Yes. And, you know, clinging to things that we feel we're going to lose. I... And I think we do that a lot with people. It always reminds me to like, like me, I'm, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm like really clinging to this person. Why am I yeah. doing that? You know, like, you know, if they really want to be here, they'll be here. And if they don't, then the path's going to take them somewhere else. And that's just something that, you know, as long as I did my best, as, lo- as long as I loved people in my life, you know, in a positive, healthy way, then if they do end up leaving, then that's just the way the path is. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm really, that's something I have to tell myself all the time. You can't possess other people. You can't possess even, even objects. You, it's not really yours. Yeah. You know, it's, it's everyone's it's, you know, everything's interconnected, but you know, I need to let go. Like I've been really just kind of, I, I live as a minimalist now. I've let go of so many things that I don't need. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't want to be surrounded by things because things are not the important. It's, it's not what's right there that I need to be focused on. My, uh, one of my teachers of Zen, um, was this old beatnik who passed away a few years ago named Gordon. And, um, I, for a while, he sort of adopted me after my mom passed away, um, mm. sort of. I was living with him for a year when I was 18. And uh, so, you know, I would want to buy things and he would say, you can have things without buying them. You don't have to exactly. have a receipt to tell you that it's yours. Just have right. it. That that mountain, yeah. it's yours. You know, it's all yeah. it's all yours. The stars are yours. That was you are the stars. You are the mountain. Yeah. You know, like... Those are the things I was, I was just the other day doing my sun salutations outside and I stopped and I looked at the sun and I thought to myself, the interconnectedness, how powerful is that? That this one star in the sky provides life for everybody, everything here. It doesn't matter what it it doesn't matter what you think about that. That star in the sky is what is giving you life right now. You know, without it, you wouldn't have it. So by doing our sun salutations, you know, I really believe that we're, we're showing that little part of our gratitude to that star that gives us life. Yeah. And what a small thing that we can do for such a great scale of what the star does for us, you know. And, and that's what I tell my students a lot, too, is, you know, I know you're thinking four sun salutation A's and four sun salutation B's <laughs> is like, woo, you know, they're ready to lose it. And I'm like, but just think. You know, that little bit that you're doing to show your appreciation today. And Patabi Joyce says 12 sun salutation bees a day is the cure for insanity. Nice. Tell everybody that. So you don't want, you know, so if you want, you can do 12 and everybody goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I always get the look. That's what I'm saying. Give me the look. So, yeah. Of course, then there's the black hole at the center of the galaxy. Maybe it's yeah. time for some new salutations. <laughs> yeah maybe oh and i that's i add those in the fall and the winter we always do a later class some moon salutations nice. some you know some yoga nidra some restorative yeah. just beautiful times to you know we do a lot of yin here at my studio it's just ways to bring you in you yeah. know to so you don't just focused on the physical asana so many students come in oh i want to be strong i want to focus on the the power yoga the fast stuff and then you try to get them to sit down for meditation or yin and they're just, you know, like, no, no, no. You know, it's like, no, this is the true test. This is where the real strength comes in. Can you sit in meditation for five minutes? Can you do a yin class for, you know, 90 minutes? These are the, these are the true test. Has your practice cracked in? Has it opened and let a little bit of light in? Yeah. You know, are you learning from the practice, your, your, your meditative mind, or are you still just in the physical? That's kind of when I know that a student's at a turning point when they have the ability to sit in meditation, 
you know, and really start to kind of get what it means, you know, what the grand scale of their physical asana really brought them to. And, And then when I see that spark in their eye, and then I'm like, yes, now you're getting it. Now it's time to really dive deep, you know. On one level, it's almost like um, defragging the hard drive or pushing the reset button and clearing out the RAM like a good – I mean especially combining because I've I've been teaching at Crunch for a couple years now. I haven't yet Mm -hmm. gotten into teaching – uh, yin yoga, and I'm looking forward to one day doing that. But yeah. I think I think for me, because when I was being trained, they were always trying to push me to teach something besides just meditating, you know. Yeah. And so I've, this is kind of me making myself teach power yoga for two years so that okay. I can have a full spectrum. But anyway, um, what's my point? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, like getting when people get kind of exhausted and sweaty, you know, and mm-hmm. then like a really good shavasana. I have this great mm-hmm. adjustment where you, you know, lift them up by their heels and lay oh, them I out do that and everything. Too. Yeah, Bring yeah. Your legs a little bit side to side. Yeah, Release yeah. the lumbar. Oh, yeah. Totally. And so some people are like, I have never been that far out. You know, like there's yeah. like that was the most mind blowing experience, let alone yoga class. And it's like, oh, right. well, that's quite a compliment. Thank you. You know. Yeah. Right. So it's hard yeah. not to let that go to my <laughs> ego because it's not. It's not me. It's the yoga. If I successfully yeah. channel Shiva, that's Shiva. That's just me yeah. being a channel. You know, not not me. And absolutely. So, and when you yeah. are a teacher, you are just a channel for that. And that's, you know, what I what I tell the te- you know the teachers that I'm training to be yoga teachers. I say, you know, you're now just the channel. The divine's just gonna flow through you. Yeah. And if you open yourself up to the divine, the the you know the possibilities are limitless. And you're teaching. You're gonna help hundreds of students throughout your life. What legacy do you want to? What legacy do you want to give to them? What what knowledge are you going to pass on? Are you going yeah. to pass on, you know, that you just want to do a handstand or are you going to pass on when they're 90 years old and they're sitting on their bed and they're going to die and they're laying there and they're scared? Have you taught them that it is the ability that they can turn within, that they can, that they know that this is just a part of life and that they don't have to have that fear Yeah, that they're transcending, you know, almost all the great yoga masters of the world who have lived to, you know, 80 through 100 years old, they couldn't they didn't really sometimes still practice physical postures. A lot of them practice just pranayama breath control. A lot of them practice, you know, the meditation. And as Surat just said on his, you know, his week tour that I was with him, he said, I practice yoga 24 hours a day. Because I'm constantly being mindful and I'm constantly coming back to the eight limb path. So, you know, the eight limbs of yoga. Yeah. And I think that that's what it is, is you can have two broken legs and two broken arms and you're still practicing yoga. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah, that's the message that people need to hear. That's what, you know, Chris Machara back in the day. So all these, you know, they've just been passing on, passing on is that you just got to be a good, mindful, compassionate person and bring it back through, you know, bring it back through into everything that you do everywhere, every moment. And that's when you know that you're really practicing yoga nature. So, you know, that's what I really, I try to live my life by and, and help other people too. So for the newbies who are keeping mm-hmm. score, the eight limbs of yoga, the first one yes. are the yamas. We've been over those, right? Yeah. Yes. The second one are the niyamas. We went over those as well. And the yes. third one are the asanas, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of those. We're not going to list them all off right now, but those are the right. things <laughs> that they usually do in the yoga classes. Right. Then there's the pranayama. 
Yeah. The breath control. Breath control. And then I get the next two mixed up. Sometimes they sound so similar. There's like Dharana and Dhyana. It is. No, the next one after Pranayama is Pratyahara. Pratyahara, which is... Which is control of the senses. Mm. So, you know, kind of bringing a little bit of observation over your senses. And then once you start doing that, then it's Dharana, concentration. Concentration. So you you look like what in the West people would say, oh, he's meditating. But you may have, you know, just done the asanas, you're doing a meditation Mm -hmm. asana, and you're maybe doing some uh, pranayama, and you're you're at the pratyahara stage, you're not quite meditating yet. And then you get to dharana, which is concentration. And then from dharana, you can start to transition over to what the what the ancients would say is Mm -hmm. meditation. Yeah, meditation on the divine, especially meditation, and turning it within, And you know, and meditation can be as simple as just focusing on your breath. You know, um, and then the and then the next is the thing that everybody wants to get to is samadhi. So, <laughs> yep, enlightenment, oneness, yeah, enlightenment, with the great Union being, with the divine. Yes. Yeah, and you know, and and that you know, I've I had one I had one student call me just like he he went on this this tantric uh, weekend event, you know, and he called me. That's it. I've I've reached samadhi. I am going to live in samadhi for the rest of my life. Nothing can break me out of this samadhi. <laughs> And two days later, he, he called me. He's like, well, no more samadhi. You know? <laughs> and I was like, I told you. I'm like, it's the ebb and flow. I mean, I just let him go on and on about I'm going to live in samadhi for the rest of my life. I have found it. I, you know, and I, and I just smiled, you know, and listened. And then two days later, I was like, well, you know, it's the ebb and flow. You know, it's going back to the first limb when, you know, and working through all of them every day. And he's like, yeah, I get that now. And I'm like, good. <laughs> you know, I've heard it described go. as when you're walking, you know, in a state of meditation and mm-hmm. the macrocosm and microcosm are working together like, like a surfer surfing on waves. Mm-hmm. That that's samadhi. Yeah. Like, cool. I think yeah. I've had like hours like that. Ah. <laughs> and then the Red Bull wore off, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. I've. I've had I've had races like that. Yeah, I do a lot of running races. And nice. Stuff. Yeah, you know, it's it's I mean, I feel like we can find that moment of bliss, that moment of enlightenment in, in so many places in life. I mean, there's sometimes I just sit and just seeing the clouds. I know it sounds kind of hippy dippy, but seriously, like just uh-huh. sitting and like seeing the clouds and the beautiful sun and, the, and if the temperature is nice and it's just the breeze, but then there's also these moments where I'm in chaos. I have panic attacks really bad. I'm in the middle of a panic attack. Or somewhere I don't really want to be. And I'll catch a glimpse of that samadhi. Because I realize that life is also this chaotic mess. It's also this suffering. And that samadhi doesn't mean that I'm just living in constant bliss. But it's also that the suffering has brought me full tilt to every part of life. And that every part is to be, you know, savored. Yeah. You know, even the bad is to be savored because... It's, it's so quick. Our life is so quick. It's a blink. And if we can save our time being the most valuable thing, even when it's bad, then we've kind of reached that samadhi state. Yeah. You know, that's really what I feel. And so sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's right here. It's still here with me because nobody can take that. The knowledge is what I have. The enlightenment, regardless of wherever it's gone or wherever, however far we think we've gone with our enlightenment, you know, what we've learned and what we've experienced is still there. 
you know. So nobody can take that. So that means that you can use it everywhere. But then there's chapter three, <laughs> mm, <yeah. laughs> the samyama, the yeah. uh, where meditation and concentration and samadhi combine into mm -hmm. samyama, and you can be heavier than an elephant. You can be invisible. No. You can stop time. <laughs> you can. There's all kinds of magical powers. That's kind of the point where a lot of people start to go. Okay, I think I'm done reading this. It was very lovely. Um, <laughs> chapter <laughs> well, one and two. I'm sure I'll quote a lot. And <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I tell people because I was actually just having this conversation the other day. It's like if you read the story of Siddhartha and his birth, Buddha, you know, and his birth, and how. When he was born and, you know, Maya was, walk, you know, his mother was walking through the forest and she just bowed down and gave birth. And, you know, and a great earthquake happened and, and all the trees bloomed their blossoms and they fell and they rained blossoms and out crawled the baby. And he pointed one finger up to the sky and one finger down to the earth and claimed his stake in the world as a spiritual <laughs> leader. Right. I mean, to listen to that story, you know that it's fabricated and that, you know, but it's maybe the, a little <laughs> right. You know, but it's it's to bring about that awareness of the greatness of yeah. the spirituality. You know, it's I and I feel like all stories, you know, have that within them, especially within the spiritual. I mean, the Bible, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it all has those stories. Yeah. You know, but I think it's to, it's the finger pointing to the moon. Right. Basically. Yeah. You know. So you take you take from it what resonates and you leave the rest. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, just and again for the people because I know there's going to be a variety of people listening. Um, I know yeah. most people probably are familiar with the expression, but it's a great expression and it's good to clarify if people don't know what it's um, talking about. Mistaking the finger for the moon um, is like when if you get something out of ayahuasca or you get something really powerful out of a Catholic mass or whatever it is, and then you say, you know, you put that thing up on a pedestal at, at like a golden calf, you know, a, mm -hmm. like a uh, an idol and say, right. you know, it's all about L. Ron Hubbard or whatever it was that got you there. Um, then that's mistaking the finger for the moon because it's not right. about that finger. It's about the right. moon that it's pointing to. Absolutely. And there's a lot of fingers pointing to the same moon. Right. Oh, like, yes. Like oh, the blind men and the elephant. <laughs> exactly. There's so, all, a lot of different metaphors yeah. pointing at the same. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, you know, the finger points, but the finger is not the moon. You know, it's, right. it, yeah. You know, it's, it's like the finger pointing the moon. It's not the moon, but it's the essence. You know, it's the essence that it brings up. And it goes onto a deeper level. Yeah. So there's so many, you know, there's so many ways to analyze that and, and you know. It's like it's, I mean, in some ways it feels doomed. <laughs> like, look, especially looking at the West, you know, how the finger points to the moon and then everybody d dogmatizes the finger and then goes to war about it, you know. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that um, if I knew more about India's history, I'd be able to right. see how equally silly things may have happened among people mm -hmm. who even practiced yoga. Right. Know? Yes, absolutely. I've heard of a few interesting, uh, you know, Buddhist temples that made me mm -hmm. think, okay, that's about as corrupt as some of the worst <laughs> churches I've heard of. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it just depends, <laughs> I guess, on who's there and who's yeah, running it. And, exactly. And, you know, and what, what other kind of people, person like, they are. Yeah, what they think right. they can get away with. Yeah. 
And then other people are the same kind of person and they gravitate towards that person. And they, you know, like I call my yoga studio here in Cleveland, you know, the yoga studio for the misfits. I mean, and the reason I do that is because I, you're not going to come here, you know, normally typically and find, you know, a soccer mom and there's, and Hey, if you're a soccer mom and you're listening, I love you. You're wonderful. But like in my studio, you're going to get the people who are really out of shape, overweight, who come in and they've had a lot of pain in their life or they, they relate, they want to come here because they know I relate to them. Yeah. You know, they're like, I want to go there for yoga. I want to go there for meditation because that teacher, that owner, she's been through it, you know, and she knows that if I can't walk from the back of my mat to the front, she's not going to say, you know, you might want to go to this studio or you might want to wait until you're smaller. (laughs) You know, they know that I'm going to say, you know what? Try it again. Yeah. Try it again. Try it again, you know, and if they listen to me and they actually keep trying it, then they realize, oh, you know, practice and all is coming. Yeah. You know, which is a, a saying by Pantabi Joyce, you know, who's the, I guess you could say the creator of Ashtanga Yoga. Oh, cool. um, it was one of his big sayings, you know, practice and all is coming. Nice. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and the rest will be given unto you. There you go. <laughs> On point. <laughs> I used to have this yeah. book. Um, I gave it away to someone who was a Catholic who was marrying, or a Buddhist who was marrying a Catholic. It's called The Parallel Sayings of Jesus and Buddha. Mm. And, you know, for every famous saying of Jesus, there's an, a saying of Buddha. But, uh, of course, neither of them were probably said by the actual person because <laughs> they were all right. from later, you know. But still. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the To Be a Yogi podcast today. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Absolutely. Do you have any uh, any parting thoughts or anything you want to mention before we wrap up? Just that who's ever listening, um, whoever is out there, that you know, you can reach out to me or you can reach out to any teacher out there if you have any questions about yoga or meditation. But biggest message I want to send out through this podcast is just to to practice every day, to practice mindfulness every day, to to know that the possibilities are limitless as long as what you think you become, which is also a saying that Buddha said that what you think you become, just just ignite that fire, that motivation within. And know that we're all right there behind you, chanting you on, um, and that any anybody can do yoga. Anybody can be a good person. You just have to, you know, put in the practice. So. You're here. Yeah. And yeah. I would like to add work. that if you're in Cleveland, Ohio, or somewhere in the area, yep. go ahead and type in the URL, thesourceyogastudio.com. And yep. that, that you'll have directions. And uh, is there a particular part of town you're in? I'm not familiar with the area. Yeah, we're in a town called um, Lakewood, which is it's, it's kind of like, you know, on the outskirts of the big city. You know, okay. In like four minutes, there's a little tiny town called Lakewood. Um, it's actually pretty big now. We're right along Lake Erie. Um, it's a beautiful town, uh, very, very close to downtown Cleveland and very accessible. So check us out. Um, if you're even within the northeast Ohio area, it's really not that big of a drive. Come on out and visit. Even if you're not, come on out and visit. (laughs) Sounds good. Always looking for visitors. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Jessica, for being our guest on the To Be a Yogi podcast today. Before we close, I just wanted to mention again that if you go to the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store and search for my name, Edward Reeb. 
That's R-E-I-B. You can download the Edward Reeb Yoga app. Special thanks to Brian Dahl, whose music you're hearing in the background right now. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. To the north and to the south. To the east and to the west. To the spirits of light among us. And to the spirits below. We send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings... Be in peace. Namaste. Namaste.